Pittsburgh Steeler fans, happy Thanksgiving. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, and you are with us for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Lance Williams. Lance, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And uh, I want to thank everybody for their well wishes and prayers. The air quality is starting to get better out in the West Coast, down South, and up North, so everything's starting to stabilize. Thank you guys for that. Yes, absolutely. If you don't know, Lance lives in California. They're dealing with those wildfires out there, so crazy stuff going on. But we like to keep it a little bit lighthearted here. We like to talk about the sport of football and and specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last night, you know, it was a crazy week with Thanksgiving on Thursday. For those of us that are are American viewers out there, um, you know, Thursday's Thanksgiving. So Thursday's typically our preview show. We had to bump that to Tuesday. So if you missed the preview show, you can go back, check it out. Brian Davis and I break down the upcoming game. We talk about fantasy, yada, 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 all that stuff. With Lance, I like to talk about more football subjects, and we will talk about some of the same stuff. But, hey, you're going to get a very different spin from Lance than you do from Brian. Not not one is right, not one is wrong. Lance I'm is right. typically negative, but that's... I'm, I'm right. That's, <laughs> okay, so here's what I want to talk to you about first, Lance, and that was the Monday Night Football game. Uh, the Rams and the Chiefs, and this was the major, the main talking point from national media syndicates all the way down to local radio on Tuesday, and that was the fact that they put up 105 combined points. Las Vegas took a big L on this one. I want to say the over-under in this game was around 63 or 64, depending on the sports book you visited. My gosh, are you a fan of that? Like, What, what were your thoughts on the game? You wake up Tuesday morning and you're thinking about it, like, what in the world did I just watch? What were your thoughts on that game? Well, first of all, you're a fit guy, and I'm a fat guy. <laughs> so after watching <laughs> the show, I was exhausted. Yeah, I was literally exhausted. I, I, was, I felt tired. The game was so exciting. There were so many ebbs and flows and emotional ups and downs. I, I was just tired. And, and I, I thought it akin to that type of football is an acquired taste. You know, it's maybe it's like drinking possibly some really good scotch or, or doing something that's really in a really intense activity every once in a while. I mean, I got some salacious examples that I could come up with, but I don't want to give those. But it's like <laughs> doing something really intense for that one time, and it's really good. Maybe it's like your favorite piece of pie, and you eat half the pie, and you're just, wow, I can't have another slice of that for maybe six months. That's how that game was. As entertaining as it was, I couldn't watch football like that every single game. I mean, that was Big 12. That's why I don't watch the Big 12. Or, or I think it's the Big 12 in college. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Oklahoma. Yep. It's just too much. It's too much of a good thing. So, so it was great for a one-off. It was absolutely enjoyable as a one-off. But that's not the type of football I want to see week in and week out. Okay, so follow-up question to what you just said. Do you think, as everyone else is predicting, that this is the future of football in the National Football League? I don't think so. Because you have to have really good quarterback play. I mean, the one thing that was out there was you had Patrick Mahomes and you had Jared Goff, arguably two of the best young quarterbacks in the National Football League, one being, of course, a California Berkeley graduate or an alum, 
like myself, Cal football in the house. You know what I'm saying? Golden Bear style. You know, you know the story. Bowl eligible. And, bowl eligible. <laughs> bowl eligible. That's right. Hashtag bowl eligible. You know it. You know the story. You have to have quarterbacks like that to play like that. And you have to have weapons all over the field. There aren't going to be too many teams that have quarterbacks like that with that complement of weapons. And you also have to have really bad defenses on the field as well. Those defenses, although they have really good playmakers on both sides of the ball, Houston, you've got Aaron Donald, you've got Indomitian Sue, you've got D Ford, you've got really good guys. You just don't have enough guys. But no, I don't think this is going to be the NFL because I don't think everybody has teams that are built this way. But scoring will be at a premium, but not like this. This was scoring on steroids. Yes, and I thought it was a little excessive um, for me, for my taste. I don't long for 13-10 games like the Ravens and Steelers used to put out every single time they played. I like the the median. Give me about 30 points of offense. I think that's quality because then you're going to still get some defensive stops. You're going to see them punt the ball. Um, I said the same thing after the Super Bowl last year. I just felt like I, I, I want a, a, some type of defense in and, you know, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio on my drive to work. And a lot of people were saying, you know, there was defense in that Monday night game. And it was Aaron Donald with two strip sacks. Um, there was defensive scoring. So there was defense, but it's just not what I think we're all accustomed to. So let's bring this full circle and let's relate it to the black and gold, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looking at the Steelers now, where they sit in week 12 or approaching week 12, I should say. Do you think the Steelers can be considered in a, in that elite group because that's what everyone's saying that Rams Chiefs you know potential Super Bowl preview throwing the Saints you know you talk about the elite teams in the conference are the Steelers among that group could they win in that style of game well let me ask you your first question are they in that elite group I'm going to say yes because I think when you say elite in the National Football League from a power ranking perspective, I think that's the top five teams. My top five teams in this following order would be the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and then the Patriots. Okay. So so they're elite. So they're in that top five. I think the Steelers are potentially, of course, according to my power rankings, are the best team in the conference in the AFC. So that makes them elite. Can they win a game like this against a team like that? No. We've already seen it already with Kansas City. They couldn't win that game because they couldn't get enough stops. They couldn't get the Aaron Donald play. The defense, or excuse me, the offense was able to almost match score for score. They just couldn't get that one defensive play, that additional score that would have helped them to beat Kansas City. I think if they had a third wide receiver, maybe if James Washington was playing to the level of Juju Smith-Schuster from last year, I would say yes. If that third wide receiver emerges by the end of the season, I'll give the Steelers a shot of winning that type of game against either one of those teams, Kansas City, the Rams, or the Saints. Of course, if you don't play the Saints in New Orleans. Right. And here's the thing. And a lot of people talked about this and they said how, you know, my goodness, the the Kansas City Chiefs are so much better because they beat the Steelers. That was it. First things first. That was week two. 
Okay. That was really early in the season. Joe Hayden did not play in that game. We've talked about how important he is to the Steelers defense. But Lance, don't you think, because the final score of that game was 42 to 37, a five point differential, don't you think that if the Steelers were to play the Chiefs again, there would kind of be a book out on Patrick Mahomes? I don't think anyone thought in week two that this is what that kid was going to be. Yeah, he did it in week one. Eh, I don't know. It's week two. I, I definitely think that there would be a different game. I'm not saying it's going to be 20 to 17, but I think the Steelers would have a much better chance. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has not been figured out, but he is turning the ball over a lot more because they're seeing tendencies and stuff of that nature. I just feel like it would be a different game. I'm not saying the Steelers would guarantee to win, but don't you think it would be completely different? That was week two. I don't know if it would be completely different. I think the Steelers would be more competitive for the reasons that you mentioned. The scary thing with Kansas City is they turned the ball over three times and scored 51 points. I mean, that's just... I mean, that, that's mind-boggling. That's absolutely nuts. And they gave the Rams 14 points, I believe, off of defensive scores and only lost the game by three points. I think, you know, Sean McVay sort of helped them out late in the game with a brain fart. I think he was discombobulated with that play calling late in the game, thinking, man, it's a minute left. I need to keep scoring because they might get it back. Yeah. I need to keep scoring. But I don't know. When you can score 51 points – with three turnovers, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Okay, so let's let's talk because let's be honest. I think this. I think we all both agree that the Steelers could probably score with any team in the league if everything's going well, and if they're playing a defense that's not a particularly stout defense like Baltimore or like Jacksonville in Week Eleven. But the defense is where the concern is. Typically, I know it has been for you in the past. My question for you is a similar question that I asked about the whole team a few weeks. This was before the buy. I said, what will it take for you to buy in? What will it take for you to say this team is a team to be reckoned with in the division, in the conference, and potentially in the league? And you talked about how you know it, they would have to win three in a row, those three division games. Well, they, obviously they did that. My next question is, what will it take for you to maybe consider that this defense which has kept it every team they've played in this uh, six-game winning streak to 21 points or less, which isn't a remarkable statistic, but yet it's still notable considering what other teams are doing. What would it take for you to say that this Steelers defense is a Super Bowl, Super Bowl caliber unit? I think they're a Super Bowl caliber unit now. And the reason I do is because they tackle well. We've seen that over this stretch. They tackle well. They've eliminated giving up the big play, and the front seven is cooking. Hargrave is cooking. Wreck-It Ralph is cooking. Um, I mean, TJ Watt, Watt has T.J. Watt is cooking. The outside linebackers are cooking. They need two to get back healthy. But, but right now, I think it is a championship defense for what you want defenses to be in the National Football League. My only concern with this defense is it does not take the ball away. Yes. If they could take the ball away, I I would thoroughly be convinced. I'm convinced now, but if if they could take the ball away, I I would absolutely say this team could win a seventh Lombardi. If they could flip that a little bit, get more interceptions, strip fumbles, you know, some of those big explosive defensive plays that we saw on Monday, if they could start getting those, 
this is a scary football team. It's it's crazy. I actually looked this statistic up before we went on the air. The Steelers are minus three at seven two and one. A seven two and one team is minus three in the turnover ratio. That is telling in so many different ways. It's telling in the fact that I feel like the high powered offense can make up for some of the mistakes that they make. But exactly. like you said, the defense just is not generating turnovers. And I, I sit and think, well, what else? Well, they're getting sacks. They lead the NFL in sacks with 37. Um, well, they're one up on number two. I think that might be Kansas City. But they they lead the NFL in sacks heading into week 12. So they're getting to the quarterback. But it, Mike Tomlin says it all the time. They need those splash plays. They need those splash plays. Ah, uh, You think about Sean Davis. He dropped an interception against Jacksonville last week. Um I don't know. I, I just I'm trying to figure out what they would need to do to generate more of those, and it just doesn't. It just seems off because you think about it. Okay, you got to pressure the quarterback. Well, they're clearly doing that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's so black and white as to saying you need to do this to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, just imagine Jeff. If this defense got turnovers, the offense is already scoring 29 points a game, almost 30, even. Imagine if they got turnovers. You could possibly get that to maybe 32 a game. You know, and over the course of an entire season, that's over 100 more points. Yeah. So that's a huge difference in a game when you're playing at Kansas City, when you're taking away a possession, giving your offense an extra possession, and the way the Steelers have been playing in the red zone, that might be a touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think, the difference. You know, that's going to be what the Steelers need to generate I, I think to to really feel good about getting that seventh Lombardi. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about more of this, the Steelers specifically, and I want to get your feel because we we did the post game show after Sunday's win, which was remarkable in many different ways, and the NFL Network re aired the game this afternoon, and I watched the the final drive, actually the final two drives with my dad, um, just to. I still can't believe it. Lance, after the dust has settled, what do you what are your feelings on that game? Is it more about the comeback win or is it more about playing awful the first three and a half quarters? See, this is where me and Jeff are going to differ. It's about playing awful the first three quarters. Because if you look at that replay, everything went right for them to come back. I mean, when they say you can't you can't let you can't give up a first down. You can't give up any points. You have to hold them to these yards. You can't let this amount of time run off the clock. This has to happen. That has to everything happened in their favor to come back and win that game. And you just can't put yourself in those type of positions and think that you're gonna pull out games in that fashion. It's always better to execute solidly and plays clean football for four quarters and go it that way. But it's nice to know that your football team is resilient enough to pull your collective fannies out of the fire and go get one. But man, that's a win and correct game. You get that win, you tiptoe out of a stadium and say, thanks, we'll get better and we'll go get this eighth victory the next week. You know, the funny thing is, is we're not going to differ. I agree with you 100%. Um, although it was exciting, I left that game, and and as the week has progressed, I keep thinking, it, it, I don't know, in my opinion, if this offense is as good as everyone says it is, 
and it's so difficult to defend as everyone says that it is, you can't be asleep for three quarters. And there are situations, look at Jacksonville is a perfect example in the first half dominated play, just dominated nine to nothing at halftime. They just couldn't cash in when it mattered the most. There are occasions like that where an offense is moving the ball well and struggling when it matters the most. That was not Pittsburgh on Sunday. It was three and out after three and out after we get lucky and have a first down because of a penalty, then a three and out. It was awful on all accounts. And so it's it's really, really left some questions in my mind as to this team. And are, is this a blip on the radar or did the Jaguars potentially find a recipe for success against Pittsburgh? And that's my next question for you. Blip on the radar or is there a blueprint been made as to how to slow down the Steelers' offense? I think it's a blip in the radar, but I will say this. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm trying to sell out to stop James Conner. I'm going to take away the run game and, and actually put the, put the game in Ben's hands. And I, I'd much rather have Ben slinging it 50 times than the Steelers be balanced where they're eating clock, scoring touchdowns, and being balanced and keeping your offense off the field and their defense fresh. I think the ideal way that they want to do it to complement their defense is for James Conner to have, you know, 125 and above from the line of scrimmage, however you want to do it. But I think this offense goes through James Conner very much in the same way that it went through Le'Veon Bell. I think this offense, although Ben has thrown it 40 times a game, which I think leads the National Football League, it's still rooted in running the football. If they can run the football with success when they want to run it or choose to run it against you, this offense will be well. It'll work well, and it'll do what it does, and it'll do what we've seen it do. If you can stop the running game because they don't have that third wide receiver as well, I I think you can limit what this offense wants to do. I think the only way a defense can be successful in that approach, and that is to sell out to stop the run and sell out to stop James Conner, you better have good press man corners, which Jacksonville does with Ramsey and Bouye. Not every NFL defense has those because I just imagine if – I'm trying to think of a a team that has a decent front but questionable cornerbacks. Look at Cincinnati. I know that their defense is awful, but if you try to play press man with those cornerbacks – the Pittsburgh Steelers will throw the ball and have success. Um, I guess you're putting your chips where you think you're going to have the most success, which is taking away the run. This team can throw to open up the run, and I think they've done that more on more than one occasion. Juju Smith-Schuster has proven to be a budding superstar. I agree with your sentiment, and if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm doing the same exact thing. I'm saying I'm going to stop the run, take James Conner out of the equation, and we're going to make them throw the ball but you better have a secondary that can do it. And I'm not sure there's a lot of secondaries in the NFL. Can you think of anyone other than Jacksonville that can do that? Maybe it's Denver. Denver with the uh, with Chris Harris, and I'm not sure who's opposite him now. Roby. I think Roby's the corner that's opposite him. But even with them, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily your secondary. I think it's more so your front because of the Steelers' ability to pass protect. They've been outstanding for another year in pass protection. So I think the way that the Steelers pass protect, even if you have those corners, Ben's clean for a majority of the time, 
And, and if a quarterback of Ben's caliber, who's a Hall of Famer, is clean snap after snap and teams are spreading you out and they're only protecting with five and they're getting five out in the routes consistently, they're going to tear you up because you can't hit, you can't hit quarterbacks and you can't hit wide receivers. So at some point in time, I don't care who you have, if you can pass protect, you're going to get torn up eventually. Yeah, I agree. So let's kind of move into our true and false statement. But before we do that, do you have any stats for us this week? Because I have a couple. I do have a stat. Let me, um, you might not be able to see my face as I read the stat. Here's my defensive stat that I wanted to point out. And it talks about this front and this front seven. And it talks about a player that doesn't get the attention that he deserves, but his play is critical to how the Steelers play defense. And here's the stat. Javon Hargrave now has five sacks this season, which leads the National Football League for nose tackles. Jarvis Jones had six total sacks over his entire career in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> El, El Busto. El Busto. That just shows you how good a football Hargrave is playing this year in the run and being able to get pressure on the quarterback. Nose guards don't use swim moves to get around centers and guards. They don't do that. That's typically not part of the skill set that they're required to have or a skill set that they have and that they can do. He's a special player, and he's getting better and better. That's a good statistic, and anytime we bring up El Busto, it's always good for a laugh. That El Busto, for those that might be new to the program, he's referring to Jarvis Jones. Um, I, my stats also um, are, well, one's team-related, one is on the defense. The one on the defense is the fact that T.J. Watt has now gone and, well, his last sack was sack number 10. I c could not believe that he is the first Steelers outside linebacker since 2010 to actually register double-digit sacks. Think about that. That is incredible to me. So, I don't know. You think about all the outside linebackers that have come through here. No one's gotten 10. Now, what's even more incredible is the fact that Cam Hayward last year had double-digit sacks, and it, it was been since 2010. But we're talking seven years since someone had double-digit sacks. I asked you this on Sunday, Lance. I'll ask you again. 14 and a half over under. We'll say four. I think I said 16 on Sunday. I'll you said move, 16. Move it to 14 and a half over under TJ Watt sack totals in 2018. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say like 14. Like See, right at it. So you don't think that he's going to. Wow, you don't think he's going to do much in the last six games? You don't think he's going to put up four and a half? Four and a half sacks in six games, that's a good total. Because, I mean, that still means you're putting significant pressure on a quarterback. Because, you know, you might put pressure, be in position for a sack. You know, a guy slips out of your grasp or, you know, moves in the pocket, gets the ball out quick. Especially if the NFL thinks you're really cooking. You know, they'll just change. They'll alter the game plan. They'll chip you, get it out quick, screens against you. They'll just do stuff to try to limit your sacks. 
So if he only gets four and a half in the next six games, that might be a compliment to how well he's actually playing, not a slight to him. True, true. Okay, so let's get into our true or false statement. Someone asked on the live feed of who were the players that in 2010 it was Lamar Woodley and James Harrison both had double-digit sacks in 2010 as the bookend outside linebacker. So here we go. Speaking of sacks, our first true or false is dealing with a Week 12 game against the Denver Broncos in Denver. That is a 4.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start for those that are keeping score at home. Von Miller will have two or more sacks of Ben Roethlisberger. True or false? True. And that's largely because of the injury situation for the right tackles with uh, Gilbert being out. And I think it's, it's Filer. Is that how you pronounce it? Filer, yes. And I think Filer is hurt, so it could be Big Chucks starting at the right tackle position and going up against Von Miller with a rookie guy making his first start on the road at altitude. They better be chipping, boy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's get the ball out quick. Run the, that's run the football. Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to go with a hunch and say false. I think he gets like one and a half. I think he goes under two. Um, I don't think the Steelers give him a lot of opportunities. And Mike Tomlin said it in his press conference on Tuesday. You don't block Von Miller with one guy. You need help. So tight ends, like you said, chips. So that's what I'll say. I'll say false. I'd say he doesn't get that two and a half. If Marcus Gilbert plays, Marcus Gilbert typically plays very well against Von Miller. Just saying. All right, next one. The Steelers will outrush the Denver Broncos, true or false? True. I think Denver's pretty stout. I think they're a solid run defense. But I think what happens in the National Football League is when teams don't do something well, particularly the week before, they make a concerted effort to self-correct and fix it and get back to it, especially if it's a critical element of how you play football. So I think the Steelers are going to be focused on running the football and getting James Conner going, particularly if you have big chucks at right tackle. I think that will change some of the things that they want to do in the passing game, and I think they'll get them going. Phillip Lindsay's a tough back. Freeman is tough. They got two tough young backs in Denver. But on the opposite page, I think the Steelers will be upset and be really focused on their preparation in terms of stopping the run, being gap sound, and trying to figure that all out. But that could be a little bit compromised if Tua if doesn't play. But I think they're going to correct on both sides of the ball and run it well and stop the run of Denver. I am going to say true as well, but for a different reason. I'm going to say true based on the fact that I think the Steelers are going to have a lead and that the Denver Broncos are going to have to abandon the run to get back into the football game. Therefore, their statistics will hurt. I think the Denver Broncos can actually run the ball on the Steelers, but I just don't think it's going to be their their method of getting back into the football game. So when it comes to the way the game kind of plays out or unfolds, that's why I'm going to say that it is true that the Steelers will outgain the Broncos on the ground. Okay. Um, this is another one that has to do with the running game. Philip Lindsay will rush for more yards than James Conner. True or false? False. I think Philip Lindsay is an explosive runner. Reminds me somewhat of James Conner. Not as physical and, and as violent as a runner, but I think both of those guys' bodies are very electric. Both guys catch the ball out of the backfield well, although 
Uh, the yeah. Terminator dropped Jeez. that pass last week. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but Lindsey's explosive. I mean, Lindsey's an explosive back. I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say Connor's gonna outrush him, but I think it's gonna be close. And the reason why I think it's gonna be close is Lindsey will pop a run where he'll hit one for maybe 25 yards, hit another one for maybe 15, get the totals up. But but I think they'll stop him and limit him after maybe a couple of those and, and where Connor will kind of catch up from grinding it out. And I think, like you said, Jeff, I think the Steelers will have a lead. And so they'll be running the ball to try to kill some clock as well. So I, I think Connor's going to outrush him. So I think it's true. Yeah, I agree. I think it's true. I think for all the reasons you said in the last true or false about overcorrecting and things of that nature, uh, the Steelers did not run the ball well, and they want to run the ball. That's that's their key to success. I'm not sure if you caught this, Lance. Um, I can send you a link. We actually did an article about it. Uh, after the Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers, uh, the NFL Network, or I'm sorry, NFL Films actually mic'd up Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin for that game. And if you haven't checked it out, you can go to YouTube, just type in Steelers mic'd up. Should be the first one that pops up. And there's a situation where James Conner scores a rushing touchdown from the red zone. And Mike Tomlin walks down the sideline and, and he's yelling, that's how you run it in the red. That's how you run it in the red. And I think that it's kind of been the theme of the whole offense is that they need to run the ball better. They need to get the running game going. And that includes in the red zone. Um, I think that just they have a concerted effort to run the football. And that's not a bad thing. So I'm going to say true. I think, or I'm sorry, false. Philip Lindsay will not rush for more yards than James Conner. I like James Conner in this matchup. All right, Case Keenum, quarterback of the Broncos, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, who the Steelers saw last year in week two when he was with the Vikings, will have a quarterback rating of 80 or better. True or false? Obviously, he will not. You know how to throw an obviously yeah. in there. Uh, so, I, no. No, I, I think he will not. Uh, Case Keenum is a backup player who had a great season last year, caught lightning in a bottle, who's a who's a, a stopgap guy for Denver. I don't think he's the future quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He's a guy that if you take away the running game and forced him to make plays of about, you know, from third and six and on, when you look at his splits, he's not a very good quarterback. I, I think the Steelers will be able to get after him. And, and I think false, his rating will not be above that number. Yeah, I, th I think false. I think the Steelers have proven they can get after the quarterback. Um, any quarterback that's going to have to that's going to have to drop back, that that defense can really pin their ears back, get after the quarterback. I will say the true. He will not go over eighty. Now, Lance, you have a true or false here about the 2017 draft class. Why don't you go ahead and prep that one up, send give us the statement, and then we'll talk about that that draft class. I think my statement was. The 2017 draft is better than the 2007 draft, true or false. And the 17 draft is highlighted by T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Conner. You also have Cam Sutton, Josh Dobbs in that draft as well. Now, the 2007 draft, Famously, the first draft of Mike Tomlin as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers 
First round draft pick Lawrence Timmons. Second round draft pick Lamar Woodley. You also had Matt Spath in the third. Daniel Sepulveda, the oh, super man, the soup the super buff <laughs> kicker. <laughs> you had him, and you had William Gay in that draft. So true or false, Jeff? The 2017 draft is better than the 2007 draft. You know, when you texted me this today, I said, that's a really good question. Because I look at that 2007, and if you take William Gay, Law Dog, Lawrence Timmons, and Woodley, you can throw in Spath. He was a blocking tight end, and, and he played with the team for a while, but wasn't really a difference maker. Those three players had a, had major contributions to the Steelers. And so now I look at today, I say, all right, uh, the 2017 draft. Well, shoot, James Conner has proven he's legit. TJ Watt's proven that he's legit. And Juju Smith-Schuster is a budding star. For me right now, and it's hard to say that, at the 2017 draft class or in their sophomore season, but I have to go with 2017. If you're throwing in in Daniel Sepulveda as a candidate to make a draft class sound better, then you're doing the opposite. Whereas Joshua Dobbs, who Joshua Dobbs, who has at least made the team, is the backup quarterback. We all know had that great play against Baltimore, and Cameron Sutton, who's kind of that William Gay role. So you take those two players, and then you throw in James Conner starting running back, T.J. Watt outside linebacker starter, Juju Smith-Schuster starting wide receiver. I feel like in terms of impact players, the 2017 NFL draft is better. However, in terms of longevity, it's too early to tell. What do you think? You know, I'm a defensive guy, so I got to go with the 07 draft because that draft propelled that team to a championship. They added the starting inside linebacker and the combination of Lamar Woodley and James Harrison was probably the best outside linebacker tandem that they've had since they've been playing the 3-4. You look at Woodley's career, and I think Woodley's career, it, it isn't looked on favorably because of the injury situation. But at one point in time, I mean, he was on pace to be the sack leader for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had a tremendous amount of sacks over the, over the course of his first four years. And in fact, when I'm looking at the numbers here, I mean, he finished with 58 sacks. I mean, that's an outstanding number. You couple that with, Lawrence Timmons having 36 sacks. I mean, that's a ton of sacks between your first two draft picks and you throw in William Gay, who made numerous big plays for the Steelers as a linchpin, you know, nickel cornerback for that team and sometimes, uh, you know, out of position on the outside. I I think this draft, if we were to look at this maybe – you know, the question may be a bit premature. If we look at, you know, we look at this maybe in two years, I would agree with you because you look at T.J. Watt, I mean, he has 17 sacks already. I think a, a total as a career, that's what they have here, 17 sacks. I mean, Juju already has 122 receptions, you know, 1,780 yards, already scored 10 touchdowns. And James Conner, I mean, he's just played tremendous football. I think 
maybe if Connor had done this for a few years, you know, maybe I would go with 17. I think it's tight. It's close. But those are some great bookend drafts. And we can see that if it plays out like that 07 draft, that the foundation of the 2017 draft, if this team continues to win, you'll find it in that draft class. Because you might have the next QB, you've got the next running back, you've got the star wide receiver, and the next premier outside linebacker in Steeler tradition. So both drafts are outstanding. I'm going to give the slight edge to 07. Okay. But the 07, again, you have career statistics to point to. Right. You know? And so you're putting at a complete body of work compared to an unfinished body of work. So I think both of our arguments certainly hold water, but at the same time, I see where you're going with yours. And it's a really good debate. Um, I hate, uh, to me, but let me ask you this. At what point do you think it is fair to grade a draft class? How long did it play? Their rookie contracts of four years? Or does it into their second contract? What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm going I'm to say three seasons. I'm, I'm going to do what the CBA does because the CBA for a first-round draft pick, you have three years. At the end of the three years, you can re-sign them. You can extend them after three seasons. So I think the fair amount is three seasons. Next year, I think you can grade the class. But the class 2017 is so outstanding right now, unless they take a precipitous fall, that's already an outstanding draft class. I mean, that yeah. draft class is better than probably any other draft class that Tomlin has had outside the 07. It's already an excellent draft class. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for sure. But let's talk back. Let's get back to the Broncos. Um, I want to know your prediction. Okay, I want to see where your head is. How you? How do you see this game unfolding? In Denver, mile high, Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Should note, I forgot to mention this stat when we did our stat segment. In the last 17 regular season road games, the Steelers are 15-1-1. It's pretty incredible. The last 17 regular season games, road games, the Steelers are 15-1-1. So with that said, Lance, who do you like? I like the Denver Broncos in this matchup. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not because I think Denver is necessarily a better team. I think the way Denver plays and given some of the Steelers' injuries and it being on the road, I think it's going to be tough. With Tewitt's injury, with the injuries at the right tackle position, I think that's going to be tough because they have two bookend outside linebackers that get after it, Chubb and Von Miller. I think that's going to be tough, uh, particularly with if neither one of the starting or, or the top two right tackles play. I think that's going to be tough for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think with Tewitt being out and what Denver wants to do in the running game with Lindsey and Freeman, I, I think that's going to be tough. And I think it's tough just overall in general to be on the road and play in mile high. I think that's a tough place to play. Keenum is not a very good player. Uh, I think Sanders and Sutton are a good wide receiver combination, but they're not an explosive team. I think Denver edges it out and wins a close game. 24, I'm going to say 27, 24. 
I think Denver gets some turnovers based on the pressure that they can apply on Ben Roethlisberger. And they have good corners. They have good corners with Roby and Harris Jr. that I think present a nice matchup for Juju and A.B. If the Steelers were healthy, I'd pick the Steelers. I'm largely picking Denver because the Steelers are a banged-up group going into Denver. They're banged up at one position. That's enough. I, I understand that, but I mean, and, and is you, big make, you, you make it sound like they're the walking wounded right now. And two um, is big, too. That two is, no one I mean, said two is not playing this week. Ah, let's hope he gets better. I mean, he's banged up. Now, Lance picked against Pittsburgh, and that's fine. I want to go back since the bye week, Lance. I want to go over the games, and I want you to just give us a recap as to who you picked in that game. I know you remember. Don't lie. Okay, I, I may not. I, I, you, you remember. I you, you remember. Okay, so they, they came, out of the, came out of the bye week, and they had the Browns. We both picked the Steelers. Yes. Then the Steelers traveled to Baltimore. Pretty sure you took the Ravens. Uh, yeah, yes, I think I did. Yeah, okay. Panthers, Steelers. I took the Panthers. Yes, you did. Jaguars, Steelers. I you took, took the Steelers. The... I what? The Steelers. No, you did no, not. No, I did. I, I, I picked the Steelers. I'm almost, I will go back and check my text no, message. I guarantee you, you picked. <laughs> no listeners on this show. I picked the Jags. You were upset. You were upset. No, you picked because... the. You picked the, no, Jags, the Jags or you, uh, picked, you picked the Steelers? I picked the Steelers. You were, you were upset because we both picked the Steelers. And so were the listeners on the show. They were like, man. <laughs> They're like, man, you picked the Steelers. Why did you do that? You're okay. I'll give you that one. So in other words, folks, what I'm just trying to point out here is that and when it comes to picking games, Lance is not the most accurate. Um, no, not at all. I see this going another way. I think that the Steelers kind of had a wake-up call last week. I think that um, ultimately – I he, one of our one of our guys in the in the YouTube chat, Isaac, who is a loyal fan, said he's you were right. You did pick the Steelers, and because he was mad that you picked the Steelers, so there you go. Um, so I, I think that the Steelers are going to prove that they are a legit contender in the NFL and in the AFC. I think that they get the running game going. I do think that Ben Roethlisberger has a better game than he did last week. Um, I really like Juju Smith-Schuster to win his matchup. Antonio Brown's going to get his. I think the tight ends could have a big game here. And ultimately, like we talked about earlier in the show, I think James Conner gets back on track. I like the Steelers to go over 30 in this one. I think my said the final score last night was 34 to 21. 34 to 21. I think that's my final for this game. I like it. I like it. I mean, the only thing that worries me is, is pass pro, is pass protection you know, with those outside linebackers, particularly with Gilbert and Filer out. That's a concern for me. Well, if you run the football, you don't have to worry so much about pass pro. So that, that, that's kind of like, that's my thing there. Is, I'm banking on James Conner having a bounce back game there. So um, there you go. All right. Let's see if we have any questions from the group um, that, that are watching live right now. We got some predictions rolling in 36, 14 Pittsburgh, um, 31-17 Pittsburgh, another 31-17, 35-15, 36-14. Boy, people are confident in the Steelers' offense. I'll tell you what. Wow, Robbie's predicting a James Washington show. I feel like it's going to happen sooner or later. I'm just not sure if it's going to happen this week. Um, Rob, someone predicted Swizzard pops one for a touchdown. That would be awesome. We, when was the last time the Steelers had a return for a touchdown. That's a pop quiz for you. I know the answer. 
I'm going to guess I think it was Juju. Yes, when was that? It was last year, obviously, but I don't know what correct. game. Week 17, Cleveland, meaningless game, kickoff return for a touchdown. Yes, yes. Juju Smith-Schuster with punt return. I think you'd have to go back to A.B. I don't think they've had one since Antonio Brown returned, probably against Cincinnati. He always returned ah, yes, them against Cincinnati. Because yes. I was thinking Tennessee, but that was too far back. That was He's his first time touching then. the football in the NFL. Yeah, 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 Took yeah, it to yeah. the house. Did you say AFL? You're an old school guy. AFL? Huh? What the hell? No, I didn't say AFL. Yeah, okay. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right, so... um. <laughs> Isaac asked, do we still talk to Vito? I remember you guys used to take calls. Now, Isaac has been a fan of the show for a long time. Lance, this is I. We've been doing this for four years. And we used to do the show. We used to take phone calls. And we used to do our post-game show. And every time we did a show, <laughs> Vito Mankin from New Jersey would call in. And Lance, you remember the time that his kid was like, screaming and he was yelling at his kid and he didn't yeah. he didn't realize <laughs> I'd taken him off hold and stuff. Those were crazy times. I I love that show, but sometimes the, the calls just got a little too much and people were talking way too much and Yeah, it was hard to regulate. But 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 Vito was great, but tell him Jeff the reason why we actually got rid of calls. Well we got rid of calls I remember got, you remember the caller. Oh, the one that kept pranking us? <laughs> yes, yes. We had a guy that would prank call us and get into some really foul triple X stuff while he was prank calling us, man. It was bad. It was terrible. And, you know, we could never catch the guy. It was either like the guy, the guy would change his voice yeah. or, or something. Man, that those were the days. Imagine the guy who was watching us on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure the comments would be very salty. But uh, yes. I, yes, I think ultimately we went to YouTube eventually because of the sound quality was better than Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we have a really cool little community. We're almost at 1,500 subscribers to the show. They just keep adding up. Um, so it's really good. Um, so here you go. Um, Let's get to some questions other than Vito Mankin from New Jersey. I hope Vito doesn't get prank called now because uh, I said his name, but he still calls into the Steelers hangover. If you want phone calls, you can still do that. I've, Lance and I are not the host of that show. That's Brian and Tony. You can still call in. That's the day after the Steelers play. So it'll be Monday night this upcoming week. And you can still call in and you can still voice your concern. I know Vito still calls in. So if you want to hear Vito Mankin from New Jersey, Melvin actually has been in the live chat before if you remember melvin nice yeah was, yeah 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 he called in drunk as hell after they beat the cowboys one year and uh that was a great time that was a funny i'll never forget that he'll pop into the uh the live chat from time to time so yeah there you have that all right let's go um let's get some questions do you think the steelers well this is this is lofty do you think the steelers have the best defense in the nfl right now no not at all uh-uh but one, of the, one of the best was uh, the next question. I think it's good enough. I'll answer it that way. Hey, Jacksonville has one of the best defenses in the National Football League, but they're not good enough to win a Super Bowl. It takes a complete team to win a Super Bowl. I think it's good enough with their offense. And I think the point 
differential for them in terms of how many points they average scoring, how much they give up is close to eight points. So that's enough. I mean, if you're outscoring by teams by eight on average, that's good enough. Who, who do you think in the NFL has the best defense? Man, I don't know, man. Most defenses are pretty trash. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm trying to I mean, think. I mean, Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is still very good. Chicago. The Bears' defense is good because That's you got Khalil Hicks. Mack. But you got Hicks. Just Hicks, Khalil Mack. Ooh, Hicks is a baller. Hakeem Hicks is a baller. He's a dancing bear up there. Secondary makes plays. So I'd say Chicago, and I'd say Jacksonville. Okay. But defenses are a couple years behind it. I mean, I mean, you just don't want a defense that's going to give you no chance to win where your defense is giving up 30-something points like the Raiders. But, yeah, defenses are just, you know, they're a step behind. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and as the offense goes more towards college football, the, the NFL defensive coordinators have to kind of get up to speed. Next question here. Um, if there's someone you fear in the Denver secondary, who do you fear the most? Cliff Harris Jr. I think he's the best player in their secondary by okay. far. Uh, the next one, over under one punt return touchdown for the Steelers this year. Under. You don't think they get one? You don't think Switzer breaks one? No, I don't think Switzer breaks one. The one thing about Cliff Harris Jr., if you guys go back to that game a couple of years ago, when I think Denver was bragging about its secondary when they had uh, to lead the, the no, the no fly zone, the, the no, no fly, fly zone. zone, yeah. And AB tore Cliff Harris Jr. to shreds that game. I think he had 17 catches, maybe on like 18, 19 targets. I mean, he ripped them to shreds. So AB can get after Harris Jr., yeah. And I hope he does again. Um, okay, so next question Do you think the Steelers' tight ends could be the deciding factor in the Denver game this Sunday? Absolutely. The Vanimal is for real. He's for real. And Jesse James will fall down in the right place. Uh, uh, so, you know, why do you, bring, the, why do you always have to bring that up? Gosh. He just falls, man. He just I know, falls. But it's, he it's just like everyone thinks about the Patriots game last I just hate talking about it. I'm falling and I can't <laughs> get up. Uh, okay. Next question. Um, what's the future for Artie Burns? He'll be on another team. Really? You, you, well, they still have control of him in his rookie deal for one more year. But you're thinking yeah. they're gonna, just going to cut him? No, he'll play out the rookie season and, you know, he'll test the waters. I think what you'll see next year is they have an option to give him a fifth year. Yeah. Because he was a first-round draft pick. They will not. They will not give him an option and pay him at a top 10 cornerback position in the National Football League. They won't do that. So that means the writing is on the wall for Artie Burns. Because yeah, it looks like right now he's not going to see the field unless there's an injury. Um, you know, I mean, Cody Sensible is a starter. Whether you like it or not, he's a starter. So, you know, there you have that. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to see it's another Artie Burns question. Someone brought up a good thing about Sean Davis. How, what are your thoughts on him? I think he's been playing really, really solid football considering it's his first year at the position of uh, free safety. What are your thoughts on Sean Davis? 
judge a safety by two things, big plays in the passing game and big plays in the running game. Safeties protect you from both. And they've done a good job in that. I mean, they've cleaned that up. Teams aren't throwing over their heads. And running backs aren't breaking long runs against them. And so that means he's in the right spot. He's tackling well. He's playing his coverage is solid. So he's playing good football for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, Lance. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. What is the best Thanksgiving dish that you'll be having tomorrow night when the feast begins or tomorrow, whenever you eat? Sweet potato pie, man. I mean, I posted a couple pictures of our wife's sweet potato pie on Instagram. And sweet potato pie is the best dish, man. That and a close second is uh, pecan pie. And dressing. I mean, those those are the three okay, things. You're a I mean, sweets. You're a sweets guy. Uh, you know those 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 are the things. What about <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Don't say green bean casserole. No, no no, 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 no. Casserole? You kidding me? Come you on, follow man. me on Instagram. You think I'm eating? Ca- um, I actually. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. I, <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> hell you eat on Thanksgiving. Man. I'm actually grilling. I'm actually I grill turkeys. Um, not smoke them. I, I grill them. And we do two big birds. We have a big get together coming. I'm doing one for people in Maryland. They know what Old Bay seasoning is. We do one Old Bay turkey. We do one traditional oh. turkey. They're in. They've. I put the uh, my wife and I put together a nice little brine. They're sitting in the brine right now. I'll start tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Be grilling okay. until dinner time. That turkey is the best. The grill a uh, turkey, huh? Huh? You don't smoke it. So I'm, I'm interested in that. We'll have to talk off air yes. on, the, on, the grill, <laughs> on the grilling technique. But here's one thing I have to mention okay. in the show. Because, you know, typically we do a WTF. I don't know this, if this is – this might be a WTF because it's petty as all hell. And it's absolutely funny because I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. So I know Steeler fans out there heard that Ben Roethlisberger's son allegedly came to him and said he wants a James Conner jersey for yeah. Christmas. That that is just absolutely <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, Ben is so great at throwing passive aggressive shade. Like that guy has a doctorate. I mean, he like he's like. Kick rocks, Le'Veon, and on top of that, my son wants your replacement's jersey. And guess what? I'm gonna tell everybody about it. You don't return my call, okay? I'm gonna get you. I mean, he is so creative at throwing passive aggressive shade. I, I think he might do that better than throwing a deep ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, he reiterated that his son does want a James. He said it on his um, radio show Tuesday, midday, I think it's 11 o'clock. And then his Wednesday availability, he said the same thing again today. When they asked him about it, he goes, yeah, he said he wants a James Conner jersey, a Steelers helmet, <laughs> and Steeler gloves. So, yeesh. That is great. That's hey. why don't let the door hit you. And, and he kicked him in his ass while he was going out the front door. And Don't by worry. the way, my go, son go. wants your replacement yes. jersey. 
But don't worry, Le'Veon Bell's doing fine. He just signed with Jumpman. He put that on all his social media platforms. Who cares? That's what I think. Yeah, that's awful. Who cares? I don't. But, you know, I, I did want to take a, a quick minute to say, you know, um, with Thanksgiving, whether you're in the United States, because I realize one of our, our prime writers, Simon Chester, is lives in England. And so for him, this is just a regular week. <laughs> So I told right. him, I said, Hey, I know this week is nothing for you, but uh, you know, it's, he obviously knows that it's special here in the United States. He goes, Yeah, but they do have Black Friday sales now because of you guys, even though we don't celebrate Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, for those uh, American listeners that do celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, I uh, do want to take the time to say I thank everyone for listening to the show and for all of our shows because, um, I really do enjoy it. Um, I know Lance does. I know that Brian, I speak for Brian and Tony as well. And we appreciate that it is a growing podcast and you guys are obviously spreading the love and telling people about it. And that's how these things get, that's how they grow. It's how they kind of snowball. And so I appreciate that. And then secondly, and certainly not last, but I want everyone to take the time to be thankful for what they have. And I wore the, um, I wore this shirt for those that are watching on YouTube today on purpose. Um, you know, sometimes, um, as stories get stale, we kind of forget about them. And I saw, um, Ryan Chazier, I think it was on that, that clip that I mentioned, the mic'd up clip, he was on the sideline. And I just thought about the, the trials and tribulations that that young man's gone through. It's almost been, it's coming up on a year since he had, had his back injury, um, and spinal cord injury. So, um, you know, don't take for granted sometimes the ability to walk is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Be thankful Absolutely. for your health. Be thankful for family. Be thankful for friends. I hope that you are surrounded by those people uh, during this holiday. For all those men and women overseas and serving our country, um, thank you for your service. Um, it cannot be easy being without those that you're near and dear to your heart. So for me um, and for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and all of our staff, all of our social media people, all the many pieces of this big machine that has become behind the steel curtain.com. I thank you all. I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving Lance. Do you just want to add anything to that? Couldn't have said it better myself. I second that emotion. Absolutely. Okay. So remember we have a regular week this week. There will still be content on the website behind the steel curtain.com. So make sure you check it out. The only other podcast that will be coming up will be our post game show where Lance and I will break down the week 12 game from the Denver Broncos and Pittsburgh Steelers going head-to-head. -head. Also, make sure you follow us on all of our platforms. That's Art19, Stitch, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. We're there. Follow us on YouTube. Go to YouTube. Type in BTSE Steelers Radio. Like, subscribe, comment. We appreciate it. Lance, have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend, and we'll see everyone next week for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.